It's Monday, August 13th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Bogota, Colombia. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book Basic Christianity by John Stott. And David Wooten, our Florida State Director, will be leading us through Chapter 5, The Fact and Nature of Sin. We finished the first section of John Stott's book. The first section was called Who Christ Is. And now we're moving into the second part which is entitled, What We Need. And our study today is entitled, The Fact and Nature of Sin. This is kind of the bad news in Stott's book. In fact, it's the bad news in all of human existence. But it's the bad news that we'll consider this week, and actually next week also, that makes the good news good. The good news of the gospel is that we can be rescued from our sin, The bad news is that we have sinned. The good news is that God has provided a rescue. In fact, on page 84 of John Stott's book, he says, So we turn from Christ in particular to humanity in general. From what the Bible reveals about the sinlessness and glory that are in Him to what it has to say about the sin and shame that are in us. Only then, after we've clearly grasped what we are, Shall we be in a position to perceive the wonder of what he has done for us and offers to us? We need to be convinced about the accuracy of the diagnosis before we'll be ready to take the medicine God prescribes. So I want us to think briefly today about where did sin come from, what is sin, and who has sinned. The Bible is very clear about where sin came from. We read in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the tree in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, so she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you see from the tree that I commit did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man replied, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. So the Lord God asked the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, It was the serpent. He deceived me, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, 
You are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children in anguish. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And he said to Adam, Because you listened to your wife's voice and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it, for you are dust, and you will return to dust." This Genesis account is not a myth or a fable. It's a historical account. Every mention of the fall throughout Scripture refers to this episode as a historical fact. Well, so here we are. Adam and Eve sinned. No longer are they holy and happy. They become sinful and miserable. Because of Adam's sin, all of mankind is born into a state of sin and and misery. The psalmist would say, Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. So as a result of Adam's sin, we inherit a sinful nature. No one can go to heaven with this sinful nature. Our hearts have to be changed before we are fit for heaven. Well, what exactly is sin? The Bible says in John, excuse me, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 that sin is transgression of the law. That's a definition that you and I should memorize. Sin is a transgression of the law or it is breaking God's law. Now let me ask you a question. How many of God's laws do you have to break before you become a sinner? Well, obviously the question the answer is just one. Imagine yourself hanging over a cliff, uh, dangling by a chain of ten links. How many of those links have to break before you fall? All ten? No, only one. And only one sin is enough to make us a sinner and to condemn us to hell and separation from God and put us under the wrath of God. The, The Bible uses a word for sin that means missing the mark. Transgression is doing what God forbids. There are sins of commission, that's doing things that we're not supposed to do. Sins of omission, that's not doing things that we ought to do, that we are supposed to do. And sins of disposition, those are attitudes of the heart. Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount that being angry with our brother is just as bad as murdering him. Lusting after a woman is just as bad as committing adultery. Every single sin deserves the anger and judgment of God. Why would sin be such a big deal that it would require eternal punishment in hell separated from God? Well, it's because of the holiness of God and the treason that sin is against Him. Well, what about those people who've never heard the law of God and what He demands? How could they be held accountable for breaking God's law? They don't even know what God's law says. Every person knows what God requires of us because the Bible says God has written that upon our hearts. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 talk about this, how God has written His law on every single person's heart. These verses say, So when Gentiles who do not have the law 
instinctively do what the law demands, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their consciences confirm this. Their competing thoughts will either accuse or excuse them. You know, you can go to the remotest desert or jungle, find a tribe that is totally cut off from civilization, who's never seen a Bible, never heard the name of God. You can walk into that village and kill someone or take their stuff, and they will know that what you just did was wrong. Now, how do they know that? Because God has written his law upon our hearts. Well, who has sinned? We've talked about where sin comes from. We talked about what sin is. Who exactly has sinned? We hear today in college psychology classes and sociology classes and counseling classes that people are basically good. The problem's not with people, it's with society. But deep down, people are really good at heart. But the Bible says that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. That's our problem, our heart. We are all sinners by birth, by nature, by choice, and by deed. When you reach into your pocket or look at in your purse or look at the ignition of your car right now, you've got a key there. Why do you have a key? You have a key so you can lock your stuff up. Why do you need to lock your stuff up? Because people are sinners. The fact that you use keys every day is a reminder of the sinfulness of our hearts. And no one in our sinful state can ever reverse the curse of sin or earn our way back into God's favor. It's not enough just to be a good guy. In the last half of this chapter of basic Christianity, John Stott walks us through the law of God, that is the Ten Commandments, to help us to better see that sin is transgression of the law. Let me close our study today with this question. If the enemy were to take you out, that is, if Satan were to destroy your reputation and your testimony, what sin would he use? When we hear that question, most of us have an idea about what the answer to that question would be. And that, friend, is why we need the gospel every day. That's why we need to remind ourselves that God has sent his rescuer and we need to be rescued because of the fact that we are all sinners by birth, by nature, by choice, and by deed. If you'll join us next week on Monday, we'll continue this study through John Stott's book and next week we'll discover what sin has done to us, that is, the consequences of sin. Well, thanks, David. And this week, we are praying for the country of Bulgaria. We're specifically praying for waiting children. There's so many waiting children on the waiting child list in Bulgaria. And these children are typically older, uh, larger sibling groups or children with severe medical special needs. And the majorities of these children receive little uh, to neglectful care in the orphanage conditions are just extremely harsh. And so we're going to pray that the Lord will send families that he wants for these children. We're, We're praying specifically for the Roma children, Roma children face severe discrimination in Bulgaria. And we're praying that Christ followers in Bulgaria would minister to this group of people. And we're praying that families would continue to be open to adopting Roma children. We're praying specifically for one of our families as they return home after adopting their son. And we're praying for safety as they travel home with this new two-year-old. And pray that bonding and connection would continue to grow as they're home and into their new normal. We're praying for several of our families who are waiting on the referrals uh, from the ministry, the central authority. And we're praying for them as they wait. And 
Certainly we're thinking of those families who are in the midst of the home study process and just asking that the Lord would grow them and use them through that process. We pray for our team in the United States, for Josh and Jana and Brianna and Toria, as they continue to find the best way to advocate for the children of Bulgaria. And we're just praising the Lord for our partners in Bulgaria, for FNA, as they continue to advocate for the Bulgarian children. We're praying for uh, our main contact, Nadja, uh, that she would come to know the the, the salvation that is only through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our families would be intentional to share the gospel with FNA staff while they are in country. We're praying for their team as they receive children's files and put them on the waiting list. And that, that as they work day to day with the officials in Bulgaria, their relationships would continue to remain strong. We're just praising the Lord for families who are called to adopt from Bulgaria and families that are open to these older and children with special needs. And uh, specifically, we are praising the Lord for the four children who have come home in 2018 and praising the Lord that the Bulgaria program has seen such growth and will continue to grow uh, and give a hope and a future for these children. Well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for the country of Bulgaria, and we know that this is a country uh, that is close to your heart. We pray that you would be with our team as we work there in Bulgaria to give us wisdom and understanding. We pray for these children that are waiting for homes in the most harsh and severe uh, orphanages at times. And Lord, we just ask for your hand and your healing on them and for families who would be open to the call to give them a home. But Lord, we also pray for the local church to rise up and to make the gospel known throughout Bulgaria and everywhere in Bulgaria, but also that they would would be about making the gospel known to orphans and vulnerable children in their midst. And Lord, we just ask you that you would be with our team, that you would be with our team both here in the States and also with our partner FNA, and that you would make your gospel come to bear in the lives of so many. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.